guys, we actually had a race. No, we're not talking about one for P1. That didn't happen. Formula One didn't have a race this time. It was Formula 1.5 and it was beautiful. We had so many battles, so many overtakes. And at the end of the day, a good strategic battle where Ferrari eventually managed to lose their focus a little bit and eventually stumble to whatever result they did. Not on the podium and Charles Leclerc also not on the points. Disappointing? At this stage, I think we'd probably be the ones... The stupid ones, if we think that we're disappointed. The expectations need to be set right anyway. But that's just one part of it. On this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast, yes, we will discuss why Ferrari put Leclerc on a hard, soft, hard strategy with his hard compound stint lasting less than his soft compound stint. But there's also going to be a lot more other chatter as well. A lot more about Max Verstappen. A lot more about McLaren and what happened to their race. And a lot more about Mercedes and just genuinely, are they... In it for real, and are their upgrades working? All of this and more is going to be a part of this 2023 Spanish GP review on the Inside Line F1 podcast. Firstly, thank you so much for joining in. My name is Samuel Arora. I am the host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar and also the Indian Racing League broadcast on Star Sports. And joining me as always is Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who's also an FIA accredited Formula One journalist working with the Viaplay network. And this time, Kunal. We saw a good race with no safety cars, no yellow flags, and a winner who could literally be checking his phone while driving, or maybe even stopping and sleeping, and maybe even recreating the turtle and the rabbit kind of story. My goodness, we should go back to asking ourselves a question, what actually makes a good race? Uh, because, you know, there were. I think it's becoming a very regular occurrence, no safety car, no yellows, uh, no retirements as well, all 20 drivers finished. It was, of course, only a shame that uh, I think the 20th driver was Logan Sargent, which is a given, just the way that uh, P1 was Max Verstappen. But 19th was Valtteri Bottas, which also somewhat is becoming a given. But yeah. sticking to, to the, you know, what makes a good race? I mean, seven teams in the top 10 in qualifying and in the race. And in qualifying, top six were six different cars. And... Uh, since we spoke of uh, since we spoke of safety cars, etc., I'm going to you know uh, I'm going to read out Nico Hulkenberg's radio message after the race. He actually said, "We don't get safety cars around these days, don't we?" Yeah, it's true. It's true. Barely any, but nevertheless, I think the battling made up for it. So before we just talk about all the upgrades and how all the teams fared out, can we just get Max Verstappen out of the way, Kunal? Because at this point, really. There's, there's so much excellence that there's so little to be said about it. The car was just dominant. Four tenths ahead in qualifying without even trying. There was a better lap time going to come there. Four tenths faster with his banker lap. It is scary, to be honest with you. I think he's on course to beat his own record. And the only thing that's on my mind right now is, if you're Sergio Perez, how are you going to overturn this gap? Because remember, last year, F1 stats grew, as he rightly reported, Verstappen broke the record for the highest points gap overturned to Leclerc, that was, with 46 points to win a championship. This time, Kunal, Sergio Perez is already 53 points behind. Shish. And, and, and you know, Samuel, I've, I've gone to this phase uh, into asking, you know, everybody's been asking, can Red Bull Racing win all the races this season? Now, hey, I'm actually turning the question back. Can Max Verstappen win all the races for Red Bull Racing this season. And 
I know we have a lot of fans and a lot of love from Mexico, so I don't want to take anything away from Checo. The truth is, Checo actually admitted that I think in the last couple of races he's tried to change his driving style to extract more from the car. I also think the whole pressure of being in a championship fight. Oh my God, it's now or never. Maybe that's yeah. the case that you know he's also battling, so he's been binning it and qualifying and and you know not being as clean as the Checo we've known, but you know. I'd love to see how this whole story pans out. But at the same time, oh my goodness, can Max really win everything else? Because his performance is somewhat like the standard and then everybody falls in line behind him and we just tune in to watch races to see how unpredictable that line from P2 to whatever, you know, it, it goes <laughs> on to. Seriously, I, I swear, it's just like Formula 1 is essentially a sport where cars go around in circles. Mercedes complain, eventually get a good result. Ferrari bottle things up. There's some sort of chaos. Yuki Tsunoda always has a good race until he doesn't and then he complains on the radio and gets no points. And eventually, at the end of it all, Max Verstappen wins. If we just sum up the sport very, very succinctly in like 15-20 seconds. And Logan Sargent is last. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 think he's, I think he's doing okay, but it's just where it is. You know, he's currently in a place where he's last and... Uh, maybe Valtteri Bottas <laughs> will continue his non-point scoring streak. He's, you know, Bottas scored in Bahrain and then has had six races of no score whatsoever. And yeah. this is where people are like, dude, why are you even talking about Bottas? But the truth is, Bottas and Joe now have the same number of points um, this season, you know, four each. Uh, and if Bottas is suddenly waiting, saying, I'll be an Audi driver in 2026, I fail to see how he's going to be an Audi half-driver in 2024 because Audi is you know yeah. taking more and more stake as every year goes by I think there's 25% this year it's 50% next year so can, will he even be a 50% Audi driver in 24 is what we should be thinking but you know like like Ferrari Bottas has said there's something wrong with the car and we're trying to figure out why and uh, Ferrari said there's something wrong with or at least Leclerc said we know there's something wrong with the car and we don't know why so suddenly you know like it's like going down a black hole where the deeper you go it's like you you're like oh my god there is wrong but i don't know what it is it's like tumbling down the rabbit hole typical matrix style <laughs> it's horrible actually do we want to go to ferrari let's just do ferrari already right it's a little silly i think in any relationship Kunal, when you get to that stage where okay am i just now being the preachy guy here but Again, whenever it tends to happen, right? Whenever you're at that stage where you just don't know what's happening, how do you even go ahead from there? Like, how do you explain the pace in qualifying? Because literally, Ferrari did a big routine check, checked out everything, changed the rear end of the car, and still nothing changed. On the other hand, Carlos Sainz was just able to dial it in. Okay, he only got, well, a half-decent position compared to where he eventually started off, but... Again, Leclerc, it was just so random where you just can't even pinpoint what exactly is it. Is it the driver? Is it the car? Is it the rear end? Is it the strategy? Because everything just seemed to be equally horrible. Like I mentioned it at the start, right? Leclerc's strategy. The hard, soft, hard. We had our post-race interaction with a veteran F1 journalist, Abhishek Takle, here in Mumbai as well. And that's one question we posed to him as well. And even he looked flabbergasted. Like, why is your soft compound stint literally longer then your heart compounds then. And it's not like Max, right? That they put on the heart tire and it didn't quite work out. And they're like, okay, let's put it back off because we have time and we could make an extra pit stop and still go for a better tire. No, they literally went on the hard tire again at the end of the race when Leclerc didn't want it. What the hell? 
I think Ferrari largely have been saying that they have been inconsistent through their tire usage cycle. That's what we clearly saw. 17 laps in the start uh, on the hard and then 25 laps on the soft and then 25 laps again on the hard. And then we saw that classic battle, you know, uh, Leclerc said, oh, no, can we please have the hard? Uh, can we please have the soft? And Ferrari said, no, it'll be the hard. And then they give him the hard. And uh, then he was actually good on that hard compound. So Ferrari's yeah. tire utilization and their degradation was where the big challenge was. But I think I probably figured out what was wrong with Leclerc's car. You know, there was a mechanical problem. That's the true story. Uh, but I think the car was just a right-hander because the car was really wonderful through the right-hand corners, but struggled into the left-hand corners. And I, why do I know this? Because I'm the reverse. You know, I'm a left-hander. I struggle with things on my right, but I'm very good with things on my left. So maybe that's one of the, the theories that no, are there. But, but actually, now that you mention it, in bike racing, it's a very prominent thing. Like, even the greats like Valentino Rossi had a preferred side while turning the bike on. Although that makes more sense because it's a more physical thing so it's more about how your body aligns it but with cars as well I've I've never quite heard that before imagine running that Saturday Ferrari at the Indy 500 which is all left-hander corners (laughs) oh boy it'll all go south and you know what Kunal I think their weekend was equally south as well it's just how at the end of the day as well with Ferrari the way the pace was managed Leclerc I think at this point let's just try to figure out in what ways can Ferrari manage to disappoint the poor chap again. Like, seriously, we, we it sounds like a cliche now, Kunal, but every single time we're coming up with new ways. And did you know what? In the Thursday media session, right, in the show and tell session where you're meant to showcase your new upgraded car to all the media, Ferrari eventually put out this one beautiful looking Ferrari car with all the journalists were looking at, inspecting for 30-40 minutes. They were very closely getting to the car, as close as possible without touching it, scanning sides of it, the side pod, the front wing, the rear wing, looking underneath. And all the journalists were like, well, this looks awfully similar. Have they changed anything? And then Ferrari realized that, oh no, we've actually put out the old car. We now need to drag out the new upgraded Ferrari outside. And that just shows you how clueless the team can be. I, I actually missed this. I wouldn't have known had we not recorded this. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, we were talking uh, of how every, everyone's going to bring upgrades and Red Bull was bringing an upgrade. Will they bring a zero pod and certainly still beat the field? Ferrari, of course, ended up bringing a Red Bull-looking car, much as Mercedes also finally brought some upgrades. So with this whole yeah. talk of, oh, my God, in you know 2022, so many different philosophies and now everybody's just like, Let's just run a Formula Red Bull because that's how we know we can win. Because such was Max's advantage, Sommel, that he started on a harder compound uh, than everybody else around him. He was on the medium while everybody else was on the soft. And remember, the run from the start uh, start grid to turn one is one of the longest ones in the corner in Spain. So he was so confident that I remember one of his, you know, on Viaplay, we had a start grid interview and or just before. And uh, Max Verstappen said, even if check, even if uh, Carlos takes me into turn one, I am not worried. We have the race pace to beat him later. Like that's Whoa. how much confidence they are able to drive with. And uh, overall, I think it was, it was a fairly interesting race. Lots of overtakes and lots of stops. I think every driver made two stops. There were four or five drivers that did three stops. 
Yep. There were four or five drivers that actually did used every compound through the stop. So I think Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnussen, maybe even Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, they used the soft, hard, medium, all three compounds trying to get through positions. So all in all, it was very chaotic in the pit lane, on the track. But, you know, it's like I wouldn't still rate it as a classic. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's just pain. It can't be a classic. It's just the way it is, simply. But no, on a, on a very honest note, I think this race leaves you with more questions than answers, which is the amazing part in my mind, that we're still quite confused about Mercedes, about how genuine their upgrade pace is. Because the way they managed the tyres all the way through, that first stint was incredible. Literally 20-25 odd laps on the soft compound tyres. And even Mercedes themselves apparently were confused about how our tyre management is just that good. Of course, a lot of it can be boiled down to the track temperature, about how the heat just really tended to suit Mercedes quite a fair bit. And also, it was sort of cooler down than Friday, which meant that their expectations for tyre wear were much, much different, And uh, again, compared to the simulations. So, they were pleasantly surprised at the end of the day. But say what you want, Kunal. We're in the grey about how good this Mercedes can be at other tracks. We're in the grey about Aston Martin as well, about how bad their car was this weekend and just what was it was it just the flow damage after q1 that really impeded fernando all the way through in qualifying was it just terrible tire wear because we saw aston martin's onboards all the way through the race and both alonso and stroll had to nurse the car all the way through and the way the degradation impacted them was just beyond me they were lapping in similar lap times to alpine and then alpine of all the teams had a super disappointing weekend because when they had pace as good as aston martin they could only salvage P8 and P10. So, eventually, you're just left with more questions than answers. And I feel that's the sign of a good race, where you're hungry to know more. And that, I think, is nailed on pretty well. Apart from the Red Bull stuff, by the way, which Max Verstappen really killed with. What, Grand Slam this time, uh, Kunal? Led yeah, every lap, yeah. set fastest lap, got pole position and won the race. And Scary. he led all free practice sessions as well. So, oh suddenly, he's raising the bar for the Grand Slam as well. Saying not just... The typical three factors were also, hey, I was quickest in uh, free practices and whatever. But very interesting point, you know. So my understanding is that uh, a lot of performances that we saw or a lot of performances that didn't happen, case in point, say, Aston Martin, uh, was maybe track, temperature, and tire specific. So I'm going to put three T's, track, temperature, and tire, track, the, the you know the last corner which frankly actually seemed to offer good racing suddenly put a new variable for the teams which they were trying to find a balance on the on the car for then yeah. temperature was, was cooler on saturday which saw the likes of mclaren suddenly shine uh, because they were able to keep their uh, you know they were able to hit the sweet spot something ferrari for example said we were either in the sweet spot or we were way off it there was nothing in the middle so like the diva thing hmm. that you know Mercedes said and then the third was tires Pirelli brought their hardest compounds thinking that oh my god Spain is anyway so crazy on the tires and now we have these two new corners which will kill the tires even more so they correctly assumed and brought the hardest tires now those tires were so difficult to bring into the range that if you got it into the range suddenly you were really quick otherwise you were just trying to work and bring them into the range so Mercedes's upgrades did they really work or was it the you know was it a formula of these three T's that ended up working and giving Mercedes a double podium result which is uh, which is what I'd love to know how things pan out in Canada and like you said lots more questions 
and I like it. I, I like it. It's it's fun. It leaves you hunting for more. And in that case as well, I also like it when George Russell is in a good mood eventually. Because when he's not, he becomes just so annoying eventually. But when he's happy, Kunal, he suddenly becomes the rain man and he's sensing some rain as well. And he's just sort of screwing around with the team as well when he's just saying, oh no, it wasn't a solid move. It was just solid. What's up with this guy? I, I really, really love him. Although it's annoying, but it's some character, which is what we so badly miss. And on the other side of the things as well, Fernando Alonso is losing character. I mean, it's like, uh, it's something that one of our uh, really dear friends and attendees at the at the Inside Line F1 podcast, uh, F1 Pit Stop yesterday said, that Alonso is now working at a corporate job where he has to suck up for the boss's son. And that radio message eventually, it's, I think it shows the difference between Alonso and Verstappen, where Max Verstappen, he's such a bad person. He doesn't care for Sergio, doesn't tell him that, oh, Sergio has made a good move, or doesn't give him his break bias. But Fernando Alonso does all of these things and then also says, oh, no, don't worry, my friend. I'm just creating a gap behind you. He's a good guy. I think finally, finally, he's maturing, Kunal, at 41 years old. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm going to first start with George Russell. He also ended up telling Mercedes the minute he left the pits. I think it was the first stop. Great pit stop, lads. You know, so he, he was in that really good mood. And when he said, oh, is it the sweat or is it the rain? I actually switched to the official F1 radar uh, channel that I have. And I was like, he is saying turn five. But actually at turn 10, there were rain clouds. And oh. suddenly I remember telling everybody in the broadcast studio, oh my God, I think rain is coming. And we showed the re- weather radar, <laughs> you know, just because George Russell said, is it the rain, <laughs> is it the sweat? It was so strange. He triggered everybody. I'm pretty sure everybody went through this. Okay. And, uh, but eventually he he finished so much higher than where he started. He pulled off a lot of moves. He was, uh, you know, he could, he 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 had some great overtakes on, on track as as well. And, Finally, about Fernando Alonso, the whole Mission 33 hype suddenly died down in, in Spain. I was hoping Taylor Swift would come and sort of, you know, give him home crowd support. But there were lots of footballers. There was Shakira out there, but nothing for, for, for Fernando. And I liked that whole moment between him and Stroll where he said, tell Lance to not worry. It's like, oh, my God, if <laughs> I attack you, you better be worried. You have no clue what I, how I can attack you. But tell Lance to not be worried. And then he actually said, six, seven, seven, six. We bring teams as a point. What difference? You know, it's it's all in the same. <laughs> but, but yeah, you can see he's building on to something more at, at uh, Aston Martin than just having driven. And is the next battle going to be, will it be the Sun? Who will be the team principal, or will it oh, yeah. be, will it be Fernando Alonso? But anyway, that's all just uh, you know, it's just subjective uh, talk that that we are going on to. But I find it interesting. You mentioned something in the preview, didn't you, Gunal? That Fernando Alonso's some uh, some what was it? The blood age or was it the metabolic age? Was some thirty one years old, right? Something on the other? No, he was 33 years old. <laughs> 33 years old. <laughs> At what point does a human being normally mature? Because I've heard for guys, it's normally around the age of, I don't know, 21, 24, thereabouts. You start to become more mature. You look at the bigger picture. It's happening. I mean, Slowly, Depen- but depending on who you are, ask, I don't think people think I'm mature enough. But anyway, that's... that's <laughs> but I'll tell you who actually has matured. Or I don't know if it's... 
we just one one step back to ferrari okay you yeah. know things got so desperate for them and carlos sainz in the race that carlos sainz had to ask the pit wall for help oh yes for strategy the chief strategy officer who drives also the car number 55 chili who was second also spanish he asked the pit wall for help saying do what it takes to beat checo and then of course that wasn't the case Why why Carlos like aren't you meant to be the smart one around here aren't you meant to be literally the one who guides the strategy team on their strategies why are you asking them for help and eventually they did help out Leclerc quite a fair bit but uh, we should get back with more on other teams as well we really want to talk about McLaren and Alpine as well and also on that Yuki Tsunoda penalty because I am annoyed quite a fair bit but to cheer me up a little bit and to also give us more context on just how good max and red bull racing were it's time for the stats review and f1 stats guru is going to present some really fun numbers about the spanish gp let's listen in hey folks it's time to do the stats review of the spanish grand prix my name is sundaram also known as the f1 stats guru let's get straight into the numbers now red bull have won their 99th race in formula 1 history and soon enough they're going to be entering that elite centurions club of race winners which has teams like Ferrari, McLaren, Williams and Mercedes. Their lead driver, Max Verstappen, has just taken his 40th win in the sport and is just one shot of the legendary Ayrton Senna's tally of 41 wins. The interesting bit is, 30 of those 40 wins have come since 2021 and so rapid has been his rise that he could actually become the sport's third most successful driver at the end of this season, only behind Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher. Red Bull have also won the last eight races on the trot and they are within touching distance of McLaren's overall record of 11 which they set 35 years ago uh, with Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost. Now over three decades a lot of teams have come close to that record but no one's even actually equaled it and Red Bull have a couple of home races coming up so it's going to be very interesting to see if they can equal that record or even do better than that. Max Verstappen has a healthy margin of 53 points over the second place driver in the championship which actually is Sergio Perez. But the fact is no one has actually overturned such a huge deficit on route to the world title. Verstappen himself holds the record of 46 points which he did last year, but 53 points looks a very challenging task and we're all wondering how soon can he actually win the title this year. Now we also need to talk about the track because the Spanish Grand Prix has had the sort of a reputation that it's a dull race where you don't see a lot of overtakes, but ever since they've made a couple of changes to their last sector, things have slightly changed. They made turn 10 a sweeping left-hander and this year they removed a couple of slow chicanes making the entry speed into the main straight a lot more quicker which also has helped overtaking because this year we saw a total of 49 passes at Barcelona the most that we've seen here in the hybrid era. And lastly we need to talk about the lack of DNFs because this is the 12th race in Formula 1 history to not have a single race retirement. And I've just been wondering, 8 of those 12 races have actually been in the hybrid era itself. So does that mean that reliability has improved so much over the years and decades that we really don't have a lot of retirements at all or is it the fact that drivers have become so much more skilled and alert that they don't crash into each other or into the barriers something that we actually frequently see in the past couple of seasons but that was a stats review of the Spanish Grand Prix I hope you folks enjoyed that there were a lot more interesting stats and facts from this race itself so if you'd like to see them do follow me on my Instagram and Twitter under the name of F1 Stats Guru I'll see you folks soon Strange, isn't it, Kunal? That after Miami, so close in, we just have another race that has no yellow flags, no safety cars, nothing or the other. It's it's funny 
that it still has turned out to be quite a good race. And in part as well because we saw other teams like McLaren and also other stories like Alpine to watch for because those two things really keep kept me hooked. Alpine firstly, it's so disappointing. P8 and P10 is just not not representative enough about how good they were all the weekend. I mean, their pace was very, very similar to what we saw with Aston Martin all the way through. Gasly got that unfortunate penalty. Ocon obviously had to pester Fernando Alonso because obviously he had to pester Fernando Alonso. It wouldn't make sense without it. But if you look at it this way, wouldn't it be fun to be now a part of an Alpine board meeting where Otmar Safnar is just going to get his head chewed off again? Or are they going to be celebrating because McLaren got barely any points? I mean... If you want to be in a board meeting with them, firstly, you have to ask how many people actually sit in a board meeting and how good is your French because they are <laughs> they are very French. I really doubt we have French listeners. Now, that would really surprise me if we had French listeners. It would surprise me as much as not seeing Fernando Alonso on the podium because that sort of <laughs> had become our template that we got used to. Two Red Bull drivers and Fernando on the podium, right? Exactly. And uh, But... but uh, Lance Stroll, you know, we had a stats review by F1 Stats Guru. My stat for this episode is Lance Stroll and Charles Leclerc have now scored points in the same number of races in 2023, which is only four races out of seven. Okay. And uh, just goes to show, you know, what's going to (laughs) happen with Leclerc and Ferrari? Are more rumors going to come out between now and Canada? Because that's typically what ends up happening. Uh, but but anyway, and you mentioned McLaren. I think McLaren were just very good under the cold temperatures to have both the cars there in the top 10. And, you know, to see, you mentioned a happy George Russell. I would say even a happy chirpy Lando Norris is so much fun to talk to. On Saturday, he said, oh, wow, we just got it here. You know, oh, what, are we P3? You know, that typical. And then he got out of the car. He's like, we will be lapped three times over even though <laughs> we are in in uh, in P3. So I think uh, all in all, uh, it just goes to show how, 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 how tight it is. Because in qualifying, Leclerc was out in Q1, but he was just 1.1 seconds slower than Max Verstappen. And then, of course, six tenths slower was Logan Sargent, but we just leave that aside. So that's <laughs> just how close things are in general, Samuel, I would say, especially. I mean, qualifying is now even more my most favorite session of the weekend. Yeah, likewise. Anything can happen, which is so amazing. Anything barring a Max Verstappen pole position, that is just a normal. And with that, actually, let's go to things that are also just about as normal, which is, as I earlier mentioned, Yuki Sonoda having a great race, scoring decent points until the last 10 laps. When something or the other goes wrong, he screams and shouts on the radio. He gets some sort of penalty or he just makes a mistake on his own. And eventually, he ends up in P11 or P12. As always, it's become the Yuki Sonoda template. And it really hurts me because I like him. I like him. And which is why his penalty really stings me, Kunal. Because the more I watch it, the more I get annoyed about thinking, well, what did you expect Yuki to do? Like, where should the guy go? He's literally turning in super early to make sure that he's touching the early apex of the turn of the first corner, basically. And Zhou Yu should be more aware that the fact that there's no room on the outside to make a move at that case. Okay, sure. Heading into the braking zone, his wheels were marginally, only like a half an inch ahead of Yuki Sonoda. But isn't it common knowledge that turn one can't be taken from outside to inside to outside? That's just not how you do it. But you're the one who's raced far more than me. How do you look at this and how annoyed are you? Because clearly, everyone is pissed. Everyone just barring Zhou Yu. 
and there was so much space that you could have flown maybe a go kart through you know between the two cars i would say <laughs> but but i think that's you know you said uh, you can expect anything and you actually expected anything from the stewards but that makes me wonder you know carlos sign should have just stuck it on the outside on the opening lap and then gone onto the radio and said oh, max didn't leave me room and then guess what the max would have got he would have gotten a 5 second penalty but no at that time the stewards would have said we treat opening laps differently to every other 65 laps of the race and our let them race philosophy is so twisted and 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 can be you know bent and molded to how we see it and then when gunther steiner or now this time it will be franz tost who will probably sit in in the ca- the, the canada team principal uh, press interviews and call for you know better stewarding and then he will be given a warning by the FIA media delegate for speaking against the FIA i think that's what's going to happen out of all of this but yeah that was the most ridiculous penalty ever yeah seriously and just take a look at how dejected and disappointed yuki sonoda was that was just a look of pure pain oh, man. And, but at the and, end of the- and and his dejection we heard in english I would love to hear his dejection in in Japanese. So if you have fans in Japan mm. who want to write into us and share some notes on how dejected Yuki was in Japanese, I would love for that. Oh yeah, actually because we've only ever heard him properly in English and he swears a lot when he's in English. So I just want to know, I'm very curious actually. Does he do the same when he's talking in Japanese as well? It would be fun to know, but yeah, probably now is not the time to rain on his parade at the end of the day. But a fun weekend on the whole. Yes, Verstappen would have won, but Formula 1 okay is boring Formula 1.5 was excellent and in the race for the championship canal only an 18 point gap between Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso so things are heating up over here as well and, and we Mercedes should... is ahead of Aston Martin and you know we kept yeah. asking will Mercedes actually try and catch up Aston Martin now we have to ask the reverse question can Aston Martin really catch up with Mercedes so i don't know we don't really ask that question with a lot of confidence but somehow <laughs> Fernando actually feel, felt like spain was an outlier which is a strange thing but yeah he sounded like it was an outlier and they'll be back and they'll still be chasing uh, red bull come the next race and i would love for that to happen a, a true alonso versus verstappen no holds barred elbows out <laughs> battle is what i'd love to see and guess what he was p2 in canada last year wasn't he so Correct. canada With is Alpine, coming yeah. up Yeah, with alpine and alpine was really good there so let's hope the aston martin is also good in canada Ha, should be fun as well. Well, let's talk about more of that and all the other stories on Formula 1 in our next episode. But for now folks, that's about all from here. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with many many more episodes. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast and also share it with all the other friends and family members who you have who might also love the same as well. Take care folks, see you and we'll be back.